the mentality was whatever it takes to achieve the goal, to be successful and to define success. It was about being the best. It was about being number one and we won't stop. I had my first psychedelic experience with some mushrooms. What I experienced was just a very, very, very high level of joy, freedom, silence, and peace. There was no voice in my head. And the amount of liberation when you have no voice in your head is beyond what most people could ever imagine. So when I experienced that, I knew that something significant has happened. What I was doing my whole entire life, this idea of becoming successful, chase the American dream, it was to ultimately be happy. And this idea of happiness that I had, when I experienced that, I realized that I wasn't close at all. I was actually the complete opposite. I was so miserable and so low. It was so bad, I never wanted to go back. We stand today. This is Method with method. a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring over 500 episodes of entrepreneurs and high-performance experts dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. We've been fortunate enough to interview some of the leading experts in business and performance today. The billionaire CEO of Priceline, Jeff Hoffman, the CEO of Chipotle, Monty Moran, world's top big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, the first black woman to build a billion dollar company, Janet Halroyd, world's top investment expert, Jim Rogers, and the list goes on and on. All of these guests you can find on the podcast backlog using Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and any podcast app you prefer. Also, you guys, have you started listening to our micro high performance episodes yet? We've taken the most powerful tips and tricks from over 400 interviews that our guests have shared on how to optimize their own personal performance, and we've made them into digestible micro-podcast episodes that are just 2 to 10 minutes long. We publish these on Monday and Friday each week, and those episodes are labeled as HP number 123456 and so on. Those episodes are live now, and they're designed for you to consume some quick, high-quality content while you only have a few minutes to spare. So be sure to subscribe to the Business Method Podcast on your favorite app so you can get those delivered as soon as they're live. And now, let's hop into today's episode. The Business Method. Hey listeners, real quick before we get started, I wanted to tell you about our trips and adventures for entrepreneurs. We have live events in different locations around the world, luxury trips to the Caribbean, adventurous trips to knock off your bucket list, and of course some private business events as well. If you're an entrepreneur, we'd love to have you join us. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at thebusinessmethod.com to stay updated. And for those established entrepreneurs out there that want to be involved in a community that is curated specifically for seasoned business minds, then we have a group for you. Inside this group, we have private live events in different locations around the world specifically for our members. We get those members in a place where they can connect, collaborate, and grow their companies faster just by being around one another. We also organize private podcast viewings and Q&A sessions with some of the world's top entrepreneurs like Jim Rogers, Alex Hermosi, the CEO of Chipotle, the marketing mind behind GoPro. And as a member of our group, you'll get to hop on calls with our podcast guests regularly to ask them any questions you want. And the last benefit is access to private world-class 
masterminds that are specifically curated for whatever challenges you're going through at the time. Our purpose with this private community is to help you expand your network, connect with some of the brightest minds in business today, and help one another overcome business challenges faster. You can learn more about our community at thebusinessmethod.com. Remember, subscribe to stay updated. And now, let's hop into today's show. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Listeners, welcome to the podcast today. We are glad to have you return, and I am very excited to introduce Mike Chang on the podcast. And is that, just before we start, is that correct, Chang, C-H-A-N-G? Yeah. Yeah, okay. means elephant and Thai. What is it? Does it have any significance in, in any other Asian languages? Uh, it's a popular beer as well. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure there's a spinoff from the uh, cool. Chang dynasty and the Zane dynasty and I'm not a big history guy, so, so I wouldn't tell you any more details. So you you haven't done that. Ancestry or 23andMe and, and figured out if you have uh, dynasty relatives? Uh, I did the 23andMe, but they never sent me back my results. That's when they ran into some trouble and uh, never got it back. Oh. <laughs> that was a year. It was <laughs> okay. a couple years ago, a few years ago. Yeah. Cool. Well, welcome to the show, man. I'm, I'm really glad to have you. I always like to get people on the show that... I've seen around the internet space for a while, and I know people that have used or are, are using current products that our guests have, have created. And so a very good friend of mine uses your flow system and has for the past six months or so. And we have a gym in our garage, and quite often he's down there. He's my roommate. He's down there in the morning doing your flow system. I don't know if it's called the flow system exactly, and he's loved it. And he's got great results for it. So I thought, oh, I'll just reach out to Mike and have him on the show. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's called Flow Training. And, uh, you know, the name name doesn't really matter. You know, it's really it's really the, the concept and what's, uh, what's being learned there. So I'm really glad that, that you've, uh, you tried it as well. I have not. It's my, it's my roommate who does it every day. I have not tried it. But it looks really cool. Like I'm into yoga. I'm very into health and everything. But he loves it. Like he absolutely, he's down there every day using his. Yeah. So, so I wanted to get you on the mic because you've had such an interesting career and in shift as an entrepreneur going from being one of the top YouTube f- fitness in- uh, influencers. Uh, and I think your business hit around $13 million a year at one point and then kind of giving a lot of that up to shift and focus on something different. And a lot of people don't understand why an entrepreneur would do that because it's such a such an incredible thing to hit an eight-figure business, especially if you're doing it online, you're running it from Bali, you're living the quote-unquote okay. eat, play, pray, love dream or digital nomad dream or whatever that is. And But you had a shift that was so significant in your life that you, you had to stop. You had to do something else, right? And, and we're going to talk about that. I think we'll dive through the nuts and bolts of... Uh, um, six pack, the six pack starter business first, and then right. we'll kind of go through that shift of what happened and what you're doing today. So what year was it that you started, you started YouTube and you started online? Um, 2010, yeah. I believe. If I had to go to exact, I think it was October, October, 2010. It's a good memory. And you started six, six pack shortcuts, right? And yeah. And were you in Bali at the time or were you in the States or? Uh, I was actually uh, in the States. I was in Houston. Okay. I was in Houston. I grew up there and spent a lot of time there. Okay. What was the motivation behind starting this business? Two things. 
I was in the training business, uh, working at gyms and things like that. I started to learn about internet marketing and I wanted to leverage, you know, I wanted to, um, want to find a way to be able to, to, uh, make more money and help people. And those two things. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really simple. I didn't know much about it. Didn't know much about it besides the fact that it looked, uh, looked very interesting and, uh, and I was, I was all for it. I was always striving for some way of being able to leverage, be able to make things more efficient. And I knew what I was doing wasn't working. So, yeah. Just curious, how old were you in, in 2010? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember when I started, but the age thing, <laughs> uh, maybe 28. Okay. I want to say maybe 29, somewhere on there. And so I had a mentor of mine in 2011 tell me that, Chris, you should start a YouTube channel and then just document all the stuff that you do and then, you know, and then make a bunch of money and become an influencer. And I was like, nah, I'm too busy. I've got other stuff going on. And and when 2019 hit, I started reflecting on like my entrepreneur career. And I would look back and, and I look back in, on the things that were like, what were the things that if I stuck with, because um, I was putting YouTube videos up back then, uh, if I stuck with would put me in a completely different position today. And one of those was starting a YouTube channel back then and, or continuing the YouTube channel at least. Um, did you know in 2010 that this was like YouTube was going to be a big thing? Like it was, it was going to significantly grow or do you feel like you just got really fortunate by choosing that platform and, and growing it from there? I got fortunate. We had no idea what the what the market was going to do we didn't think youtube was the next big thing it was just literally it, it looked like it, it looked like it could have been planned or something something like we were smart guys but we weren't smart guys man to be honest you know let's <laughs> just be honest it was yeah uh, hard work so, so much hard work we were like workhorses with whips that we were whipping ourselves in the back and running for <laughs> you know it was, it was like that we had no idea what the heck we were doing. And when we got online, we posted a video on YouTube and uh, it got a decent amount of views. It was one of, it was like the second or third video, you know, it was called like the eight minute dumbbell, total body dumbbell workout. And without any subscribers, uh, I think we got like, you know, maybe a little under a thousand views or something, which was like, whoa, you know? <laughs> so we just went with it. Like, well, let's try some more. And we just kept doing a little bit more. And that's, how the whole entire business was built based on kind of that mentality of tried and done work pivot. Did you start a consistent schedule of publishing on YouTube then? Uh, not early on. It wasn't until no. a while before, before we did that. How long did it take for revenue start, uh, start starting to come in? So our plan from the beginning was let's create the program. Uh, let's create the course and sell it. And then mm -hmm. from there, we would uh, use it as a way to test, test out, uh, test out what works, test out the copy and all the all the funnel. Uh, mm -hmm. Revenue came in pretty much after we launched. You know, I mean, like we started making sales. You know, um, now that's a different story too. If you were to ask me, when did you get paid? <laughs> you <laughs> when know? did you get paid? <laughs> totally different story. You know, uh, oh. let's just say I didn't, I didn't see any money, like not even, not even a dime until I think about maybe six months in and we got our first draw, you know, owner's draw. And I think it was like something like 300 bucks. <laughs> and I, I was, I was going constantly uh, overdraft on uh -huh. my account. 
I had over a thousand dollars that year in overdraft. Drugs. I did that one year. I think it did close to like fifteen hundred. My early days oh, of man. entrepreneurship. <laughs> well, you got me beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. It was kind of embarrassing when I calculated my entire year of over, uh, overdraft charges, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I dropped fifteen hundred dollars because I can't manage my own bank account. Yeah, so I know the feeling. So obviously, you know. You're talking about us, so for six pack shortcuts, right? Yeah. Um, there, there. How many of you guys were working together? Uh, two of us to start off with, and then we had okay. a third partner about, want to say a year and a half in, give or take. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And um, what was the reason for not taking any money until six months or later, or how long did it even take you guys to start? paying yourself a regular salary uh so after we actually launched the program we didn't take any draws for until about six months in and the reason is because we put all the money back into the business we put it all back into uh investing in more softwares um, hiring people ad spends you know like i remember um, i didn't manage the ads so there's parts of the business that i can talk about but i wouldn't get i wouldn't be able to get to specifics but i remember i remember in all we spent about uh, 8,000, give or take, to, to have an actual decent conversion you know, to where we can actually be profitable. Until then, it was like, make a little money, lose a little money, make a little money, lose a little money. Overall, we're eight grand in the hole. Um, I think it took about six months, three to six months, give or take. I think about three, maybe about three months, four months, somewhere around there, we're about eight grand in the hole. And then from there, it's like, we found something that we actually made it work until then. It was just throwing some money. A little bit comes out, throwing some money, nothing comes out, you know? And uh, right. so then from there, there, yeah, a lot of trouble there. Yeah. So the model was YouTube videos, get views on the YouTube videos, take them to the website, sell them, sell them the, the course on the website. Right. Uh, Basically, basically, we actually sent it, sent them to the channel. Uh, we tried a lot of different things. Um, we sometimes mm -hmm. send them to a channel, like we would advertise mm -hmm. on, you know, on YouTube, we send them to the channel. And then from there, they would watch a few other videos. And then they would eventually find something, they would click on an ad. Mm -hmm. And then they would go to the website, and they would buy, but the ad doesn't actually contribute totally to the sale. It's because the traffic was warmed up already. Right. 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 And so, and so most of the time that's why our retargeting uh, ad spends were so high because that was kind of like the, the funnel that we did. Yeah. You know, we were just kind of bringing them in that way. That's the model that was pretty much six pack shortcuts for the length of its existence. Up until, up until I was there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, we were doing about 13 million at the time. Yeah. Um, we were set up to do a lot more and, uh, and we did, yeah. but there was a point uh, a couple years after did about 24, 25. Okay. And, um, but, uh, things didn't work out. Yeah. So, so now, now I don't know what the company is doing now, but it definitely went through some really big changes, uh, after that. What do you think, yeah. um, was the point that made to made it really take off? You know, I think it was a, it's a combination, it's a combination of having somebody in the front with the vision and with this belief that it can be done and constantly motivating everybody. 
And then that combined with, with uh, people that are actually willing to do a lot of work and know what they're doing. And we were, we were really good on the motivation part, on knowing what to do. We were just good enough. I wouldn't say we were really good. We were just good enough that we can do something, but we weren't doing spectacular things. You, nobody would look at these videos or these ads or the things we're doing and go, wow, this is mind blowing. They would just be like, you know, these guys are grinders. They're, they're hustlers. They're working day and night. You know, they don't stop, you know? Right. You walk into our office and I mean, back in the day, it was like, it was like boiler room meets Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and Gold's Gym, Yeah, you know? Looking back and, on that uh, now, you know, I feel we talk a lot about high performance on the podcast. I love the idea of learning about high performance, but there's different types, right? You, you know, meditation, yoga, Zen type of performance, but also you see high performers and you could categorize those or the boiler room type of Wall Street investment bankers. And you're, you're a much different person now than I would assume that you were back then. Looking back on that, how do you feel about that time in your life and, and seeing that type of operation that you created compared to your perception of it now? You know, I would say that success is defined differently now. Back then, I didn't really, I didn't really know any better and, and um, had a much bigger ego than now. So it was, the mentality was whatever it takes to achieve the goal, to be successful. And to define success, it was about being the best. It was about being the best. It was about being number one. And we won't stop until we do. Hey, real quick to the listeners out there, I want to ask you something. What are you doing to optimize your day-to-day performance and productivity levels? You know, guys, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, and we're always trying to learn more and more about how each and every one of us can optimize our performance. The reason why I'm asking you is because today our show is sponsored by the good folks at Seas. Seas is a mental wellness company that aims to empower entrepreneurs and high performers with supplements to enhance their productivity and minimize their pain points. Flow is their flagship product, which is a ready-to-drink powder that comes in a 30-day stick pack that works as an energy and focus enhancer. Flow was created to improve your focus, increase your alertness, enhance your creativity so you can tackle the prime tasks of the day while staying in a creative flow state. On top of that, there are no energy crashes with their product flow, which means an improved mood and enthusiastic approach to business. These benefits are a supreme advantage for entrepreneurs and high performers to sustain their performance on a regular basis. Flow is an instant and sustained boost. It can be a replacement or enhancement for coffee so you no longer require many cups per day to combat lethargy and the sluggish part of the day just to stay on top of things. Flow will give you what you need to get your brain cells firing so you can optimize your work results, hit your goals, have more time doing what you love, and spending time with loved ones so you can seize each and every day. When you sign up for Seize's VIP list, you get first access and can receive 50% off the pre-launch offer, you guys. That is half off during this pre-launch offer. Just head over to Seize.life forward slash the business method. That's Seize, S-I-I-Z, Seize.life forward slash the business method to get your discount. We'll put all the links in the show notes, you guys. And now let's hop back into the interview. It was about being the best. It was about being number one. And... 
we won't stop until we do. And mm -hmm. that was, that was it. It was very simple. There wasn't anything complex about it. Um, and it was just fueling and it was fueling everybody's motivation, you know, mm -hmm. getting everybody to want to be the best. And that was a general idea. Now there was a lot of other components that helped for our success. One of them that, um, that sometimes could be overlooked or sometimes could be difficult to maintain, especially in uh, companies now that, that work digitally is having a strong culture in the company, you know, having people feel like the company gives a shit, you know, that their managers actually care about them, that they go from this transactional relationship to, to actually caring about each other as human beings. And we did a lot of that. You know, we did a lot of that. We, we weren't just, you know, making products and, and selling. We were, we were building people and we generally cared about them. We set up the operation to be able to build people up and on all levels, on the physical side, oh, they worked out like crazy, you know, like everybody on the, everybody in the company, blah, blah, were mandatory to work out. All my, all the people on my team was, I, I ran about two thirds of the company and uh, everybody on my team was mandatory. You, know, you had to work out every morning. We provided free food for everybody and super healthy meals started off with simple combinations and it got really elaborate. And uh, we had three companies later on, massive, massive fridges, um, all the drinks and stuff like that. Um, and also that's on the physical and diet wise. And then on the emotional and the mental, we talked a lot about mindset. We talked about a lot about personal stuff. People will come to me in the hallways, go, Mike, you know, they tell me about their life situation. And then I would, they'll tell me about what's going on. And I give them advice, do this, do this, no matter if it's relationship or if it's uh, something that they want to do for work, it's, you know, they're not happy with their job. They don't know what to do or they want to move up, but they don't. And I'd help them figure it out. And we had meant to, we had ways of helping people. Like, for example, somebody goes, um, I, I want to do this job, but I don't know how to do it. Or I want to make more money, but I don't know how to make more money, you know? Or I want to go, like, I remember my assistant, he wanted to be a pilot and he wanted to go fly, but he didn't have to make, he didn't have the money for it. And he wanted to go fly people around privately. That was his dream. And I told him, great, I'm going to help you get there. And all I ask from you is when, before you leave, you find your replacement, train them and that's it. Then get the heck out of here. Yeah. That doesn't, and that was this mentality. That doesn't sound like a boiler room to me, Mike. It sounds like a dream job. Well, it's a, uh, one side of it was very, very wild and aggressive and, uh -huh. and going. And then the other side, it was very, very, um, we just, we, we, we cared, yeah. we cared and we helped a lot of people. And a lot of these people that came from six pack are now doing, uh, running businesses of their own, their CEOs, CFOs, they're, they're running other operations. Now. Yeah. So that's the, I think ideal uh, for me anyway, the ideal type of, um, team and business model to, to, to have a, a culture in that. And Mind Valley actually does this really well also to have a culture that really brings people up that helps them achieve their dreams instead of just keeping keeping them at the job. Um, just, yeah. you know, for, for sake of, you know, not having to replace the employee and train a new, another employee. Like, I think, I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And, and in Mind Valley, what happens is they get such, um, 
a, a huge list of people that want to work there because all the other employees that work there go and they brag about how awesome it was to work there. And, <laughs> and so now they don't have any problem hiring because they, they have a massive list of everybody that, that wants to work at this, uh, in this amazing culture. So, yeah, that sounds amazing. I mean, so, okay. I want to get into, I want to, I want to dissect a few more nuts and bolts of, uh, six pack shortcuts. Um, but then I want to ask you the question, uh, after that about why would you want to leave that? Cause that sounds incredible, man. You're helping people. You guys built a yeah. company up to eight figures. You, you do some hustle side of it. You know, you've got an internet business, but hustle culture is a part of so many businesses these days. And, and it's kind of, I, I don't want to say it's mandatory, but a lot of people go through those hustle stages from year to one to three or so and build, build, build. I think I, I'd, I'd like to, to just dissect more about like at the, at the prime of the company when you were there, how many employees did you guys have? And then you, I think you said you had two other partners, including yourself that were the heads of the company, right? Yeah. So we had about 64, 65 people. Okay. So you had a really big team and all of you guys in Houston. Uh, so we started off in Houston, but that mm -hmm. when we actually launched, we were in Austin. And so the, okay. the rest of this was all in Austin, basically. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And um, these were kind of the early days of uh, really remote work. But were you were you doing remote work, or did you have everybody in an office? Almost everybody's in the office. We okay. had some people here and there, um, but I would say over ninety percent. Yeah. And also, the the company got bigger when I when I left because I. I I set it up. Well, I wouldn't say I set it up. I'd say we we had a plan to to um, skyrocket the numbers, right? You know? And uh, and so we went we went from a sixty four hundred square feet office mm -hmm. to a thirty thousand square feet office. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so when I left, we were just about done with uh, renovations of everything. Um, well when I stopped working in the office, they were almost done with all the renovations and everything. And then when I finally left the company for good, you know, the operations were running already running in this office, but there was a lot of plans to bring on more people. Right. So at some point, the, the company did reach maybe about 130, 150 people. Okay. Gotcha. And, um, I'm curious, like, um, you know, in, in the prime, when you were there, I think you said you did around, Oh, you did over 13 million. What percentage of that do you guys put back into like advertising to for the different channels that you had? I would say over a third, I guess. Okay. About, yeah, let's say about a third or so. There, yeah. there, it varies from month to month, but there will be months to where we spend about about two fifty, you know, mm -hmm. three hundred. Uh, and then, more. and then, so you had your staff you had to pay for, and then your salaries. What were the profit margins that would come in on a usually on a regular basis? That was a that was a struggle. I think we were doing maybe eleven eleven percent, fifteen percent. I think the best we got, we may have gotten something close to twenty, uh, yeah, like a year or two. Uh, but I remember it more in like the mid teens, high teens, most of the yeah. time. Yeah. We were just so aggressive with growing that it was, it was, um, 
that was the whole model. It was never about, you know, uh, stacking up a big goose egg and cash. And it was about yeah. let's become the biggest. And we just kept reinvesting and keep yeah. kept building. Yeah. So, What do you think of that business model now? It could still work, to be honest. I, I feel like there would be, there'll definitely be some things that have to change. Um, like the, the approach of the ads, you know, but as far as the model of, of building a team to building a team and having, and having everybody in house and and spending and spending enough money on the ads to, to build, you know, to build a strong traffic source. I mean, just the, just that machine with the right conversion numbers. I mean, it's still, it still works. It's still what a lot of companies are doing today. I think there was a lot of other areas that we could have leveraged. Uh, we didn't have the right people to support the growth of certain revenue streams because we had, yeah, we had different revenue streams. You know, there's like, you know, continuity, there's front end products, there's like revenue coming from sponsorships, emails, phone team, et cetera, you know? And some areas, the areas that we put a lot of attention is to, they grew and vice versa. So there were lots of areas that we could have increased the profit margins on. And I feel like in time, if we just, if we stayed with it, if things worked out, eventually those areas would have gotten um, stronger and our profit margins would have increased significantly because there were just massive amount of opportunities that were just obvious, but it takes, it takes work. It takes the right person to manage it and things like that. So you came to a point in your career where, uh, you had a realization that you no longer wanted to work in the business and you wanted to focus on uh, a different type of lifestyle and your own personal happiness and creating something different. So you started six pack shortcuts in 2010. What, when did you have this realization? February, 2015, February 8th. Okay. So only five years into the company. Yeah. And so what was the experience that, that made you realize that you had to leave the company? Uh, you want the long version or short version? <laughs> I'll give you the short version and you can ask. Yeah. And we can ask it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had my first psychedelic experience with some mushrooms that combined, uh, with some very intuitive, um, some intuitions that came in on, on doing certain things to my body, like tapping, breathing, um, and, uh, and a lot of self analyzation for, okay. for about six hours straight. Okay. It, uh, it allowed me to be able to, to, um, to increase my level of consciousness, to expand my consciousness. It's not something that could be fully understood, but, uh, mostly experienced, but yeah. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't interested in any of these things, you know, but when it happened, what I experienced was, uh, just a very, very, very high level of joy and freedom mm -hmm. and silence and peace. There was no voice in my head. Everybody knows about their voice because they're always talking. Yeah. My voice stopped and you, and the amount of uh, liberation when you have no voice in your head is beyond what most people could ever um, imagine because they never experienced it. But the ones that do know, and they, they don't ever go back. Yeah. And so when I experienced that, 
the ripple effect of that because it's not just quietness in here the body changes it's like the sensation that you feel in your body is like is um something that's unmeasurable it's like imagine all the best feelings you've ever had and multiply it by like a thousand and mm -hmm. you and, and and you might come close to that sensation you know and i'm talking about all the drugs you've ever tried you know not just random stuff right and so with this type of experience my first thought was um um you know, is it, is it the mushrooms, you know, but there was other people that also took it, um, that's the event that we we're at. So I knew that it wasn't that, and I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was, but I knew that something significant has happened. What I was doing my whole entire life of this idea of becoming successful, you know, chase the American dream and things like that. It was to ultimately be happy, just mm -hmm. live a happy, you know, nice, free, financially free life. Um, and this idea of happiness that I had, um, when I experienced that, I realized that I wasn't close at all. I was actually the complete opposite. I was so miserable and so low. Um, it was just, it was so bad. I never wanted to go back. Right. Hold that thought. I just realized, uh, my laptop is not plugged in and my power is about to go out. Can I run off for <laughs> plug it in, man. Minute? Plug it in. I just had an indication. Yeah. I'll, I'll be right back. No worries. Okay. We had a little glitch there. Mike had to take care of his laptop uh, and plug it in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> While he was talking about this incredible experience, it's uh, feeling um, perfect peace for the very first time. Um, it was yeah. a planned uh, cliffhanger. It was, it was wait for it. Wait for it. I'll go plug in yeah, my yeah. laptop. Um, yeah. Any, anything else on that, that, that you wanted to share? Um, you know, uh, there's been a lot of people ask me, ask me that question because it's, it's strange. It's like, I've, there was definitely higher levels of success, much higher, mm -hmm. uh, but I wouldn't see my, I wouldn't think of myself as like a greedy, a greedy person that wants the world. I would see myself as somebody that wants to feel financially secure and that generally wants to help people and yeah. whatever it takes to get there. That's would be my mentality. And I achieved that hands down. I achieved that. I didn't have any, any real problems, you know, yeah. on, on pretty much any level money, health, uh, well, I would say aesthetics, health, I wouldn't say the health is defined in a lot of different ways, you know, but when I when I had that experience, I realized that me along with most people, actually, what they want is not is not is not what they're going after. Mm hmm. But it's a, but they have to go through a certain, certain journey. They have to go through a certain experience to be able to come to the realization. It's right. like telling, it's like, uh, it's like, do you have kids, Chris? I don't know. No. no. Uh, you've seen kids. It's like have, telling a kid that, Hey, when you grow up, you're going to like this and you're, you're not going to care about that. And you know, your friends in middle school, you're probably not even going to hang out with them anymore, but right now they mean the world to you. Yeah. And they're like, whatever it's you know they all whatever, they care about dad. is that whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's but they don't see it until later on 
Right. And when it comes to this, the people that have come to this realization that it's not that these things really don't matter. A lot of them have hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them have lost a lot of things and when they have nothing more to lose, you know, they've come to this area to where they just kind of surrender and they let go and different. There are so many different ways for somebody to experience this. We can say this kind of this moment of enlightenment, this moment of self-realization to where this level of peace and happiness is experienced. And from there, somebody has a taste of this level of joy and freedom. And suddenly from this new reference point, they realize that what they had before was nothing. What they had before was, was terrible, but they couldn't realize it. Even if somebody told them, because it's uh, it's not anything that can be told. It's like, let me tell you how I feel. No matter what words that I use, you can't know how I feel and vice versa. But suddenly you're in my body and you're feeling it. It's a different, it's a different thing. And so that's, that's what happened. And from there, you know, a lot of people, even now today, they, they still are curious, but, um, there's, there's one other thing I want to share and then we can go deeper into it or go into another area. I'm a little different now than before, you know, uh, for example, something I used to do is, um, I used to yell in conversations, yeah, not playfully, <laughs> but you know, right. like you'd argue yeah. and well, oh, 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 your voice raises. Um, I, uh, I don't remember the last time I did that. And this used to be like a daily, at least maybe every other day occurrence for some situation, work, relationship, whatever. Um, I don't do that now. So this is all from that six hour experience, your first. It was the beginning of it. It okay. was the beginning. Of it. It, it wouldn't, it wasn't like this one experience and that was it. I, right, okay. I, I spent the next, uh, I spent pretty much every day every day for years um learning how to do two things i at the end of the six hours i made a commitment to myself Mm -hmm. that i was going to do two things i was going to figure out what i did because i did something but i didn't know at the time what i did but i'm I'm gonna figure out what i did to create this state this change in my physical health because my injuries healed on the spot i had a lower back injury it was gone like within six hours, it was there for nine months and nothing I did was able to get rid of it. And it was gone in six hours. You know, my mind went silent. Um, All these changes was happening. I was going to figure out exactly what I did to create that. And my second commitment to myself was I'm going to teach that to everybody because I knew that everybody wants to learn this, even if they realize that they, even if they don't realize it at the point, because I didn't realize it at the time when it was happening, that that's what I was looking for my whole life. I never knew that, but when it happened, I go, that's it. Yeah. And so those are the two commitments. And from there, all of my waking hours was spent on learning, training, experimenting, going down as many rabbit holes and these things as, as I could until I started to understand fundamentally what happened and how things work with the, with the human, with humans, with us, what right. is a human, what is us and, and et cetera, and all that stuff that goes with it. So did you, you I'm guessing you continued to do more uh, psychedelic experiences. 
yes, and much more than that. Everything. Okay. <laughs> Everything. Get my get my hands on all the practices, readings, religion, um, crystals. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. All yeah. the things you can smoke. You know, all this, all the all the different types of substances um, and different practices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as many things I can as I can get into. To, to try to find out what happened. Took a little while, but finally I, I got it, you know? So you made this, uh, you eventually came to the point where you made the decision where you had to leave six pack shortcuts. And what was that experience like going into the company and to your partners and saying, Hey guys, I've had, I've had a revelation and I got a, I, I've got to leave. Like, if if you don't mind describing that for a bit, effortless, effortless. Really, it was that easy. Yeah. How much of so did you decide that after directly after that first experience, or did it take you a few more months and some more experiences? Uh, about three days after. Okay, and and you went in and you just told the team. You said, "I'm. I've got to leave." Um. Uh, Close. <laughs> okay. Okay. Close. It was more like, hey Walk guys, you that. know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, hey guys, uh, you know, uh, this awesome thing has happened. I, I explained to him the best I could at the time of what uh-huh. happened, you know, told him I'm feeling so good. You know, my mind's expanding like a computer. It's like I upgraded in a terabyte of Ram. I can process uh-huh. information like a madman right now. It's insane. I know everything that needs to happen. Like just had this expansion and feel great and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what this is and we're going to teach everybody, you know, we've got this yeah. massive audience. This will be a new program course didn't matter. You know, let's do it. And, uh, they just, uh, they didn't agree. They told me, nah, we, we can't do that. And yeah. I was like, yes, we can. We're the, we're the owners. We can do whatever we want. And they're like, no, we can't. We're a fitness company and we need to stick to fitness based, um, fitness based things. So we can't go that direction. Yeah. You know, their salaries we got to pay, you know, yeah. we got to stay in business. So I looked at him and I was like, well, yeah, I understand. Okay. Well, then, then I'm out. And they looked at me and they're like, well, you know, are you sure? I mean, should you want to think about it? I was like, no, 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 I'm sure. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll, wow. we'll figure it, we'll figure it out and we'll figure out the details. But, uh, but yeah, just let you know I'm out. Let's figure it out because yeah. I know, I know what it is that, I, that I'm going to do now. Yeah. That was it. And, and was there a, a bit of time that you, I guess, quote unquote, kind of filled the gap of when you, did you help the team fill the gap of you leaving before you left or you, did you? Okay. So you spent some time working through that process. And so a lot of people, I imagine going through this experience, you, you kind of knew what, or at least had an idea of what you were going to do next with your life. Because a lot of people, when they leave their their businesses after they've been working (laughs) in for a long time, it's like losing a baby. Right. And then they become lonely and depressed and yada, yada, yada. Um, so for you, I would guess it was, it would have been the opposite maybe because you kind of had a vision of what was going to happen next. Anyway, it was supposed to happen. Kinda. I'm like, I, I knew that's what I wanted to do, but as far as how to do it, I didn't even know what it was that mm-hmm. happened. You know, I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't special enough to where it could only happen to me and not happen to somebody else that right. I did not believe. So I knew that this can be duplicatable. 
but how I had no idea. So it took me a long time to figure that out. And then from there, it's like, how do you, how do you sell that? It's easy to pull off your shirt and go, you want this, go get it Buy here. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you go and explain to somebody, Hey, you want to be happier? They go, I am happy. So you got to convince them that they're not happy. You know, then you got to point out all the stuff they do and they go, Oh, I don't want to talk to you anymore, man. You're, you're such a downer. Let me go back to somebody who lifts me up. No, bro. I'm just pointing out the truth. So so it's very, it's very different. It's very different to, to sell this. You can't really sell this. You can only present it to people that are really, that are ready looking. And I know that might be kind of the idea generally, but when it comes to other products, you can sell it. You can create these desirable things. It's easier, but this is a little bit more difficult. So there's definitely a lot of challenges, but the biggest challenge I wouldn't even say is that. Um, because with enough market research, with enough testing, you can figure all that stuff out. Yeah. The biggest challenge, this, I did not know. I discovered it. And then I tested this concept over and over and most people won't realize this, but the biggest challenge is being able to maintain this state, the state of peace, the state of presence. Mm Mm-hmm while building a company Mm. that that is one of the most difficult things because I know what to do, you know, I've, and the things I don't know what to do, I know how to find the right people to do it. Right. But it's not this, it's not like the stake is uh, non-reversible. It can Mm -hmm. definitely reverse and you can go back and all these things will happen. And most people won't realize that it's happening until it's too late. Right. I can realize that it's happening, but I can't stop it. Yeah. If that makes, if that makes sense. It's like somebody who's, who's quit drinking and now they're drinking again and they know that they're drinking, but they can't stop themselves from doing it. Right. It's kind of like that. They realize their state has changed. They can feel the stress. They can feel the discomfort and the suffering and all that emotional stuff, but they can't do anything about it. Yeah. And so therefore, what I've been doing is figuring out how to be able to maintain this state and yeah. while, while building and creating a balance because there's this, there's an idea of, well, I'm sure maybe there is a way to build a, a company that's massive and that's doing really well and have this, all this great success and maintain a really nice state of, freedom and and inner peace, Mm -hmm. but it's actually very contradictory. And the reason why is because this state of being, when somebody gets in the state, they are fulfilled. They don't need any more. Yeah. So what happens if you don't desire more stuff? Are you going to go out and bust your butt? You know, you're going to only do what's needed. Yeah you're not going to go above and beyond. Yeah. And we all know that in order to succeed, you got to go above and beyond. And so to create the motivation and the desire and the reason and the purpose to go above and beyond will throw you out of the state because it makes you want to desire again. And then when you desire again, now you just created a lack so you can fill it with desire, your, your accomplishments. But now that you create this lack, this desire that drops in isn't going to fill it. So you got to drop, keep dropping it in. It's like, first, there was no, there was no hole. You got rid of the hole. You feel freaking great. Then 
you have no motivation. You don't care. Life is awesome. But now you want to succeed. So you create this hole inside of you so you can drop things in so you can have the motivation to. So now you're out of the state of feeling good. And so you may not ever get back to being really, really super stressful uh, because you have seen, you have experienced a, a level that's, that wasn't experienced before. So there is an idea, but um, it would be virtually impossible to be able to maintain a really high inner state of peace, inner state of presence. Presence is, you know, we all know what presence is for as far as the informational part, right? It's when our head is basically silent and we're able to be aware of everything. We can't, we can't do it. The reason why is because of this one thing. When you're building a business, when you're creating, you got to plan, right? So when you plan, you're not present. Right. True. You're in your head, right? You're, right. you're, you're in your head creating a vision of the future. So if you're in the future, you're not in the present. So imagine somebody wants to build a business. How often do they need to be in their head planning the future? A lot. All the time. So much to where it doesn't even turn off. Yeah. It's just on exactly. all the time. Yeah. So therefore, you're not in the present. And if you're not in the present, then all the experiences that you have is not coming from right now. It's coming from this made up idea in the future and not coming from what's actually happening right now. Mm -hmm. So somebody goes, baby, I love you, Chris. You're like, okay, I love you too. Yeah, yeah, but let me focus on this. Oh, this is not <laughs> happening. Oh my God, life is terrible. And somebody Don't in front it, of you goes, yeah. I love you, man. And you go, yes, I love you too, but I have a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me you solve know. the problem before I, I return to love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah. So that's the, that's the paradox. Well, there's something that's really interesting that 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 I wanted to to kind of address is that, um, you know, you mentioned that to leave the present moment that we need to plan and think about the future uh, and think about whatever we need to achieve to get these goals, um, you know, and and it makes you kind of realize because, and I don't know if you're you're probably familiar with this actually, is that the 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 reason the difference between a human brain and an animal animal brain is our prefrontal cortex, which gives us the ability to plan and manage our um, emotions and think about, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, whatever it may be. Right. So we're not constantly being triggered by our amygdala, like our primal reptilian brain, which is fight or flight or freeze. Right. And so, so it's kind of like we were given this gift with our brains to plan, but then in order to find full presence, we need to shut that planning brain off so we can be present in the moment. So then we can be more focused on living more presently and being more happy, right? It's like it's like it's almost like we have a system that's set up to fail. And we have no idea why we have this whole system going on in our brains, but it's the way it's supposed to be for some reason that we haven't figured out yet. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> you, you give somebody a knife and they can go and, and hurt somebody with it or they can go and uh, and provide life by right. using this to uh, to help people. But you have to plan to 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 provide life or hurt people with it, too, um, sometimes. Um but yeah, so then what is the point of then being present all the time if we have brains that are designed to 
or have evolved to a point where it's necessary where we can plan. Um, but then the goal of quote unquote peace of mind or enlightenment or being present is being present to where we're not planning to where we're shutting it. Right. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. The idea is to be able to spend, spend more time in the presence and plan only when it's needed and have the ability to switch it off and go back into the presence. Gotcha. So when we're present and we're working, we call it flow. Okay. And we've all experienced it. It's when you're doing something, you know what you're doing. So you don't have to think you're just doing it. Right. And, and the results are coming. And even if you do it and you mess up, but then you know what to do to try it again. And if it messes up, you know what to do. So is you're always, you're always in this continuous feedback, action, feedback, action, feedback. Mm-hmm. And so therefore you're in flow and people talk about flow state and athletics and work and creative stuff. That state is a very high level of happiness and joy in a action type of way. True. So yeah. being peaceful isn't just being in meditation, doing nothing and feeling peaceful. It's also doing things and feeling peaceful because when mm. somebody's in flow, they feel peaceful. Even if they're doing a lot of things, but they're not stressed. The moment that they're stressed, like, and when I say stress, I mean, psychological stress, not mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on this bike flying and I'm in flow, but I'm, my body's tight and stressed. That stress is physical stress. Mm-hmm. It's, it's having psychological stress, emotional stress. When that happens, it throws us off and mm-hmm. we're not in flow and therefore we're not enjoyable. We can yeah. have tension and be in joy. We can have physical stress and still experience joy and, and this sense of peace. And so that flow is why I named it flow training to get us into that state. And so when we're working, we can actually um, build, we can actually do action and be present. But right. then there's only so much that we can do before we go, wait, am I going the right direction? And uh, do I, I need to vision this in my mind. So let me turn on my mind. Let me figure this stuff out. And now I got it. Now let me turn it off and come back into present moment and do my best to get into flow again. And so if we were to able to do that, we would have balance and we would be able to create a abundance life, mm-hmm. which is what we need, but not everything that we want. Because if you get everything that you want, then I won't get everything I want. Okay. <laughs> you know? And so nobody should get everything that they want. And when we look at the companies and the individuals that do get the things that they want, there's a big imbalance in the world. Yeah. And so that makes but sense. But we should all be able to get what we need. Yeah. And when we're able to do that, now we have this harmonial balance. And when we're in presence, we're able to feel. So we don't make decisions plainly just with our mind. We now make decisions with our feelings. And so we're not running on a program. You see, we're always, we're always running on programs because we're always watching programs, right? And so we're always being programmed. And so when we're now taking action, we take action based on an existing program. But when we're present, we don't run on a program. We know what a, this program could be and we know this 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 but when it comes to being present, we watch actually what's happening we make the best decision based on what's happening right now on two things our thoughts and our feelings but people that are not present they can only make it on thoughts they have no feeling to be able to to judge what's happening 
because to be able to feel is to have a high level of um, awareness, a present moment awareness. So in other words, if somebody's not present, if their presence, we're all technically present, but presence, there's a lot of different degrees. If we were 100% presence, we got silence in here. So if we were 50% presence, let's say we're thinking in here and we're also kind of talking, but I'm kind of thinking in my mind and having a conversation here as well. And so the more present I am, the more I can feel because my body is here in the present moment. And the less presence I am, the less I can feel this body. So what happens is people spend all these years not being present because they're busy planning and building their empires. They lost the connection to be able to feel their body. Now, if they can't feel their body, their body starts to become sick because they can't tell if they're drinking this, if they're eating this, if they're doing this or not doing something, the effect of the body, they have no idea. It's like somebody who's um, never takes their car into the mechanics and knows nothing about their car until one day it breaks down and they take it to the mechanic. The mechanic goes, ah, you have a problem. And so this is what happens with our bodies. And so we don't feel this body. Our body loses a sensation to feel. And so we don't have the ability to make decisions based on feelings anymore. So now we can only make decisions based on a program that we're running. And guess who's running, who put this program in our mind? You see? Right. So that's how the dots get joined. And so the way that we can break out of this is to become present. And the first level is to become present of this freaking program that's running go, hey, I'm doing this. And when did I learn this? Why am I doing this again? Oh, right. I learned it when I was 15. Why again? Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that made sense when I was 15 years old. But I'm 30 years old now. I'm going to let that go. And then now I go through this process of changing the habits that this program's in, you know, is involved in. And now, now that I'm aware of my programs and I'm present, I can't be controlled. So now what we got is a whole bunch of free people that are present, that are full feeling, and that are actually making real decisions and not running a program. And that because they are present, this desire, this whole is very, very small. It's just enough for them to do what is needed in their life and maybe a little bit more, but it's not massive. So now they're not having to go ahead and hurt people, hurt the nature, do all this stuff to fill this hole because this hole has gotten really small. And now what we have is a, is a, uh, you know, is a, it's a nice world with happy people. <laughs> I like that. Um, what are, Mike, what are some ways that you personally get into flow state? So you turn off your thinking minds, get into the present moment. Um, and is there an amount of time throughout the day? Do you try to be in that present state as much as possible throughout the day? So there's times to where I need a plan. I need to think. And when right. that happens, um, I do so. But I'm always, I'm always plugged in. I'm not... Fully, I'm usually am not fully in my mind. Mm -hmm. There will be a level of presence that's still connected to my body, so I can gauge what's happening here. So let's say I'm in the planning, I'm thinking about all this stuff, and then I can feel that my my feeling, my energy is changing. Mm -hmm. Let's say stress is starting to rise, and when it's rising, now I take a look at what I'm thinking. I take a look at my perspective. 
am I, am I thinking in a very fearful way? Did I just go down some rabbit hole of worry and what if, what if, what if, and suddenly I'm starting to feel this stress rise. And so now I go, wait, let me stop this. Let me take a step back. Let me relax. Let's get rid of the stress, get rid of the tension, clear this energy. Okay. Now let's go again. Let's take a look at it again and start from the beginning. And so now what it does is it allows me to be able to make better choices because I'm not making it based on fearful perspectives, mm -hmm. not based on all this fearful stuff. It's not that fear never comes in, you know, it's just that when it comes in, I've got an indicator that goes ding, 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 there's fear, chill out, you know, don't make any, you know, random decisions or impulses and stuff, you know, take a look, stop before, if, if we don't have the indicator, how are you going to know, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so that's what I do, you know, and the question you asked, uh, how do we get into this, get into this flow? So it took me years to be able to understand how to explain it in this way, but this is the simplest way I can explain it. Our body is like this container that holds energy and our energy, when our energy frequency is high, we're happy, we're joyful. Right. Yeah. Right. We see everything in a positive, optimistic way. We're we're optimistic, and if our energy frequency is low, the total opposite: fearful, right. what if scenarios, and all this stuff. So, in order to have a high frequency of energy, we got to get this container, our body, to be clear, to be open. The circulation has to be open. So, you know, there are millions and billions of. Um, pipelines in our body. We call mm -hmm. them veins. We call them arteries, capillaries. Um, there's different names for it, right? In certain systems, you call them nadis, which are like energetic lines. People are familiar with chakras, which are like the, the big energy highways, right. or the, the big energy centers, right? The spine, which is the big energy highway of the body, you know, and so forth. So these pathways, they need to be open. So this way energy can flow through. Mm -hmm. And we can't clog it up with bad food. We can't clog it up with uh, all the substances and all the stuff. We got to keep it clean. Yeah. You know? This is our, this is what Jesus would say. The temple of God, right? Needs to be clean. <laughs> yes. Right. So he wasn't talking about the freaking church, man. <laughs> right. He's talking right. about the temple here. Right. So we got to keep this clean. So how do you do that? There's a lot of ways. I have a, I have a very specific method, but there are many ways, you know, what I do is I do four different things to, to clean it. I use, there's four parts in flow training. So you've seen it because you see your, you see your partner doing it. You see your yeah. friend doing it, right? But the first part is a mixture of Qigong and tap massages. Mm -hmm. So their method where you tap the body and you're literally making the body, making the veins and arteries more elastic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talk about all the stuff building them in your veins. Well, why don't you clear that shit out, man? <laughs> you know? Oh, how? You stick a pipe in it? No, you just go and rub it. You tap on it. You uh -huh. use it. So there are different ways. Tapping on it is, is like is one way to do it. So when I started learning these things, individually, all of these methods have a long history behind it. But what I did was I took all of these different methods, tapping, stretching, yoga, breathing, fitness, right? Because fitness makes you feel good, builds mm -hmm. the body and it opens things up, meditation. And I took the simplest moves and combined it together and stacked them in a way. So this way they can build upon each other mm -hmm. and condensed it from over a four hour practice into 60 minutes. And what it does is it systematically 
opens up the body. Because what happens if you open up this part and then you suddenly go down to this part? Well, what about between here and here? It's like a massage. It's like somebody massages your head and then they go to your stomach and then right. they skip your legs and then they go to your calves. And then mm -hmm. the way it feels, it's like, no, I wanted you to massage my thigh. Right, right. So it's the same yeah. thing. When you open it up, you got to open it up systematically. And that's what we do. So when we do that, we are accomplishing the first thing, cleaning out the container, the mm -hmm. energetic container. When we clean this container out, our consciousness, our awareness, which is energy, changes automatically. We don't have mm -hmm. to even do anything. You don't have to learn anything. You literally just clean the container. Boom, it changes. Now, at this point, you don't have a you don't have new information. What you have is a new perspective on the existing information you already know. Right. So you may you don't go, well, suddenly I understand the universe or I understand how all this no, you know, but you may go, wow, I just realized that I can just now see it in that person's shoes now. And, you know, I was being wrong and I could have did it differently. That, that didn't take any new information. That was something that already existed in a person, but they were never able to see it in that perspective because their energy frequency was too low. So what happens now is now this is a stimuli for change because they can now see in a different way. So now from there, they can start to learn more information. So what people do right now is they skip the first part because they don't understand that. They go, I'm thinking bad. Let me just learn new things. And what they do is they learn new information, but they don't change their perspective. They, because their perspective is based on the energetic frequency. It's like you tell a scared person to learn more information, and now they give you more reasons on why you need to be afraid. <laughs> right. Right? And you're right. like, uh, no, I was telling you to, to learn more so you can chill out. Well, mm -hmm. actually, the more you learn, let me tell you how bad it is. You know, and, and, and the fact is what they saying is true, but so is the other perspective, mm -hmm. you know, there's a movie that I recently watched. I don't know if you've seen it before. It's called Tomorrowland with, uh, 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 what's the guy's name? Uh, he'll come to me. There's a line in the, uh, there's a line in the movie that says there are two wolves. There are two hungry, there are there are two hungry wolves. There is a story, wolf I of, yeah. of, I'm going to totally chop the story up, but you'll get the idea. <laughs> yeah. There's a wolf that's fearful and angry and bad. And, and there's a wolf that's, that's really happy and peaceful and optimistic. You know, which wolf is, which wolf do you have inside of you? You know? And the answer was, you know, the one that you feed. You know, again, I, I know there's a, I, I know there's an actual way to say this story, but I totally chopped it up. But that's the idea. They're both real. And so somebody that has a low energetic frequency, they will debate with you till the death of what they're saying is true. And they are absolutely right. And these are facts. This isn't a hypothetical. They're not making things up. But what they don't realize is that all of that is true because it does exist. But the other side is true as well. And if they want to be able to see the other side, they have to change their energy. And it has to do with cleaning out this container. It's, you don't have to bring more energy in. Here's, an, here's, you know, the sun. If you wanted more sun to come to the ground, you don't need to create a device to try to absorb more sun. You know what you do? You get out from this roof. You know, you go, you wait till the clouds 
are not covering the sun, but you don't have to try to amplify the sun. That is energy coming up, coming, coming from the sky. Now energy is coming from the earth. So how do you get more energy to come up from the earth? You don't need to create some type of extraction thing. All you need to do is remove what's blocking the energy from coming up. So now how do we get energy to come into our body? We don't have to go ahead and wear all this crazy stuff and do all this stuff. All we need to do is remove what's stopping the energy from coming into the body. And that has to do with clearing all the pipelines. That's it. And if we look at every disease, every disease starts off with a plugged up something. The plugged up something didn't allow the body to function. And now parts of the body starts breaking down. And so someone goes, oh, you got a liver problem. You got a heart problem. You got an artery problem. You got this problem. You got that. No, these are just the, the, uh, the, the causation. They're the effects, but they're not the causation. The causation is your body's energetic system is clogged up. Your body's arteries are clogged up. Everything's clogged. So you got to do the things to unclog it. And now all of your problems will go away. So that's the, that's the answer. The learning stuff happens, happens after but you got to do this first, you know? So yeah. people got it backwards. And that's my, that's the message to get out there is to tell people, open this up. You don't need to be a fitness model. We're not saying all these aesthetics. We're talking about opening up the inside of the body. Now, whether or not somebody wants to be athletic and have a great body, that's bonus. That's icing on the cake. That's up to every individual's preference. But the, the bottom foundation is you got to have a open energetic system in the body your your containers got to be clean right gotta yeah flow. that makes sense i'm curious mike on on um i'd love to get into your daily routine uh what that looks like for you and then um the type of diet that you you keep so my daily routine i wake up in the morning after i get out of the shower i start my flow practice already and that's 60 minutes right uh, 60 minutes, give or take. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. Um, because I work out multiple times throughout the day, sometimes I film me videos, I'm doing a little workout. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'm doing all the stuff. So my practice in the morning, on average, is probably about 30 minutes long. Okay. I start off in the shower, you know, so I, I don't do it from start to end, like how it would show in the videos. Right. Um, but this is, this might be kind of funny. The way that I dry off is I do the first move of the practice hops, which you're hopping your body like this. So I'm wet and I'm hot I'm doing this. And then I'm dropping my arms down and I'm playing water off of my body. And by the time I'm done with like the first about five, six moves, my body is pretty dry, dry enough. I put on a pair of shorts and I go outside and I finish the rest of the practice. And that's how I start the day. You know, and then afterwards, if I do filming, if I do something else uh, that has to do with physical activities, I might do something. But I realize I, I need to do my physical, my own personal practice to start the day every day. Do you have a regular time you wake up? Um, not really. Not right now. There's been a lot of changes in, the, in my household. My, uh, my wife is expecting. So, Oh, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. We yeah. haven't, we haven't announced it publicly anywhere. So, so, uh, uh, 
so few people may know we've got about a month <laughs> until this podcast goes out so. <laughs> yeah yeah so there might be a little bump showing then so she's only uh, i think like 11 weeks in. so okay. there's been some changes in our routine and my sleep schedule is is uh very different like right now it's uh it's, could imagine yeah yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty pre, late. Pre, pre-pregnancy, though, did you have a regular <laughs> wake-up time? Uh, yeah, it was about uh, 8.30 to 9 a.m. Okay, and then uh, hours per sleep each night? Um, about 6 to 7. Okay. Yeah, and, and I have some catch-up days once in a while where I get about 8, but that happens about once every every. T- week to two weeks uh diet so first meal second meal and then type of food you eat my meals are very simple because of my body type every body type has different preferences so i'll share what i eat but it may not work for somebody else and it doesn't have to work for somebody else i eat about five eggs um, a handful like this of red peppers about three pieces of sweet potatoes okay and uh, sometimes sweet potatoes is replaced with bok choy, about this much bok choy. And that's, uh, that's about 80% of my diet right now. Oh, wow. Okay. And then when do you start eating? What time? Uh, after practice. So uh, if okay. I wake up, by the time I start practice around 9, I'm done in about 30, 30 uh, 40 minutes. So that I go downstairs. And uh, so I would say about, uh, about 10 give or take. Okay. And do you, are you eating little bits throughout the day or do you have, you're eating your first meal, second meal later in the afternoon sort of thing? It changes. I've been very, I've always been very intuitive with my training and my eating. I've never counted calories. I've never measured with a scale on anything. Even when I was in the best shape and I was in really low body fats, I never did it. Uh, I've developed I develop ways to be able to use my feeling and use just eyeing to figure out how much, how much to eat. So sometimes I would, I would, uh, eat around like 10, like I said, uh, sometimes I would go downstairs and I just wouldn't eat anything. And I make myself a tonic and I have this tonic recipe that, I, uh, that I do add different stuff in. It's pretty warm. It's hot. And then, uh, I make like one or two cups of that. And then I drink that and then I'll go till maybe, two o'clock in the afternoon before I have any real food. Is each day different for you for work? Are you, do you like to put a certain amount of time each day or does it depend on whatever's going on? It depends on what's going on. And then any, and in the evening times, uh, do you have a time you stop eating? Like you don't like to eat past, like, I don't like to eat past 6 PM. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> nah. Nah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I would guess you go to bed around midnight or a little bit after midnight or so if you're getting seven hours or so. Uh, yeah, before. I mean, now it's it's different. It's as, it's as different as can be. Yeah. And you sleep. You're, I'm guessing you sleep really well. Uh, most of the time, there's there's days to where uh, to where I'm not sleeping the best, and it's because too many mental activity going on, you know. And uh, sometimes I'll do practice at night. And if I do, it clears it, then I sleep well. Sometimes I don't feel like doing it, and I just kind of lay there and toss and turn for a little bit before I finally crash out. Yeah. Nice. That's incredible. Anything else on your daily scheduled diet that we missed? I like to eat a lot of almonds. 
I do my best to, to, uh, to cut out tea. I mean, I'm sorry, I tea, coffee, but you know, caffeine is not the best. Yeah. Um, I drink a lot of uh, medicinal mushrooms. Okay. Uh, they, uh, how that. often? Uh, usually about once a day. Okay. And, uh, and sometimes if I really need to charge it, if I didn't get enough sleep and feeling really groggy, um, then I'll drink it up to about three times a day and it'll okay. totally give me focused. Any other supplementation besides the mushrooms? Not regularly, not regularly. I've got a handful of handful of supplements, uh, herbs that, that I take that I've been learning a lot more on some of them boost up like testosterone and, uh, and energy. And I, and I kind of play with it. You know, sometimes I want to have a little more and sometimes I, I don't take any of them. You know, things like ashwagandha, you know, tribulus, diaspartic acid, GABA, mesinopreans, and ginseng, and on and on. You know, it's a whole handful of them. Sounds like an incredible <laughs> daily routine, man. <laughs> Sounds very low friction. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's fun. That's the cool. thing, man. You know, it's like uh, I want to be able to, I always imagine this life, you know, I always yeah. imagine this life to where you actually get to get to have freedom of your time. There's yeah. a trade-off. The trade-off, like I mentioned earlier, is you you you're not your day's not totally planned. You're not chasing after building this huge empire. Yeah. And if you get rid of that big lack inside, you don't care to. But if somebody was to listen to this podcast and they still have this big lack in their mind, they would go, I'm happy for you, Mike but I'm a different, I'm going after this thing. But what they don't realize yeah. is that this big lack is here. And again, it's okay. You know, we've all got different, um, there's different timelines in our, in our life, but I hope that at some point um, everybody can come to some realization, create, create that balance because they're never going to be happy without it. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, and I think like, uh, earlier when you were talking about your transition from six pack shortcuts to, to figuring out what you were going to do next and teaching this sort of flow states to the world, this sort of lifestyle to the world and mindset. Um, you know, it, it, it's almost like, and you talked about this, but quite often for people to come to that transition, they need a divorce, a death, uh, something, uh, a personal injury in their own lives, um, near death experience, you know, for them to say, okay, what I was doing was stupid. I'm not going to do that anymore. And stupid is the wrong term, but, uh, was crazy, uh, because I was working for something that I already have and that I can already create in my life. And I don't necessarily need to do that. And maybe this should be more of the norm as opposed to the norm, just being the obsessive hustle and grind so we can get to our financial numbers so we can ideally have the presence that we're all seeking that we can get from probably simply meditating and doing Mike's flow workout on a regular basis <laughs> and eating some mushrooms too. <laughs> cool. Uh, I think it's just about building the, creating the structure, you know, like I, yeah. if the, if the government was to go ahead and create the structure, then this will be taught in schools. Yeah. And this will be taught in schools, like to like how this works, how our body works, you know, and kids will know now they can make their own decisions, but 
when you make certain, when you create the certain structure that like there's PE class, but PE class isn't just, you know, so people get to go ahead and learn about their bodies. They get to learn about how it affects their mind. They get to learn how to focus all these things. And there's actually, there's actually promotion on that, on the, on well-being instead of advertising other stuff. You know, it's like, remember milk commercials, milk, it does the body good, cloak, 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 you know, because, you know, the whole cow industry and all that agriculture stuff, but you know, it's all for profits. But when that changes, now it would encourage and really help people, you know, and until then having them openly choose themselves to do it differently would be like what you mentioned. They got to experience a really, really big reason. And most of the time they got to fall pretty hard. Yeah, it's very true. All right, man, I think we're going to wrap this podcast up. I really appreciate all you've shared. It's been really cool to hear about that journey because I have a significant amount of entrepreneur friends operating from the focus of where you were to build, 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 build. And a handful of them have kind of made a transition in their own life, but a handful of them are still kind of in that build hustle mode in that culture as well. So it's really interesting to see but I think this type of story should probably get told more often so people realize or take at least take a check into their own lives and see what I'm doing. Is it really serving me right now? Is it really going to serve me in the future? Is it really the thing that I should be doing? Yes. But if they were to ask themselves that question, they were to check, they would be checking from their current existing energetic state. And so sure. with the same mind that created the problem, they're not going to be able to fix it. So what they would do instead is they would go and do a practice like flow train. You know, they would do a practice. They would change the energy by clearing out the container. Nobody needs to teach them anything. You know, they just do it. And now automatically their perception changes. Automatically they start to feel better. And what happens when we feel better? We're nicer. We care more about people, right? We pay attention to people and stop all the stuff. Automatically that happens. And when that happens over and over and over, they're making new decisions. They're making new choices. And now their life changes. You see, so we don't actually need to convince anybody mentally. Now they will come up to you. They go, hey, Chris, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Now I want to learn more now. But they'll actually be curious. But it starts off with changing their energy. So there's different ways to do it, right? The physical practice is a way to clear it, but then you got to also change your diet too, right? You got to start putting clean things in your body. But when you do that, you're changing it at the base, at the source, which is on the energy level. That's the base of what gets us to tick. It's the base of what influences our mind, our perception, and all of it. And the thing about that is that one last thing, I know we were running out of time. Everybody, there are people out there that agree with what we're talking about. And they, and they may even have a program or they have the step one, two, three, but they can't stay motivated enough to continue to do it or maybe even not to start, you know, I realized this in fitness and I believe that we're all, our, all of our life is like a stepping stone that prepares us for the next. And the reason the reason that I'm here now is because of all the things that I've learned before and all of my experience in bodybuilding and fitness and helping people transform their physical self. I understand a lot about how to get people to actually do it, not just 
how to do this, but actually get someone to do it. It's a totally different thing, you know, how to build a big chest and how to get someone else to do that. That's a totally different thing. And I realized the fundamental thing is actually giving them accountability, support, and motivation, doing it together in a group. If somebody, if people have that, they will be able to do it. The what to do is the easy part. That's the easy part, you know, but it's creating that group and that accountability and just getting people plugged in and actually having people care. There are infinite groups out there right now. There are, everybody's got a group, but if you ever join a group, you'll find that they're auto, they're managed by boss or managed by these auto feeds. And it's not even that person. It's like somebody else who's doing all the stuff. So it's, it lacks, um, sincerity. It lacks, it lacks uh, real relationship building because people only create it because they know it's part of what's necessary. It's not because they are actually spending any energy because maybe it doesn't increase the bottom line, doesn't make them more money. So why would they care? Why don't they focus more on traffic and conversion and, and less on the product? But if they did, they could actually help people because these groups do work, you know, and, but it's what people actually need. And so that's why I think, uh, I think there's a big opportunity right now where we're at for people, for all the influencers out there and the people that are actually helping people win personal development, helping people become healthier and happier, but they actually need to shrink that hole inside of them by actually doing the things that they're telling people to do, not just marketing this stuff, but not doing it themselves. And then their hole is not being filled up. Their hole is filled up from the numbers, not from anything else. And they need to actually do it. That's the thing. It's like the information is all existing out there, but people aren't doing the work. And the people who's teaching it aren't doing the work. And then the people who's learning it can't stick to it. So you got this, you got this issue. And the way to solve it is that line by, by Gandhi, be the change that you want to be. If every teacher actually did the stuff that they taught, then they would fill that hole. Their hole will start to shrink. And now the way that they conduct their business, the way that they would teach would be more authentic. They will spend more time on getting results than time on bringing students in. So they make less money. Who gives a shit? Who cares? Right. You know, you'll be happier because your hole of lack has shrunk down. So you will be more happier, even though on the outside, yeah. the unhappy people won't get it. Who cares? Doesn't matter if they get it or not. You will feel it. You will know it. And everybody around you yeah. will be able to feel it as well. And then you realize that you didn't need as much money as you thought you need needed to be happy. And, and you're much happier without worrying about the yeah. eight, yeah. nine figure exit, exactly. right? <laughs> Mike, I've loved this. This has been a fantastic uh, chat. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your experience with us. It's, a, it's an incredible story. Um, if the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they could do that at? Well, thank you, Chris, for, for having me on here. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Really insightful questions. Um, and thank you for the opportunity to share with your audience. Um, they can find me on Instagram, Mike Chain Official. Uh, YouTube, they can just type in my name, Mike Chain. And if they want to learn about flow training and join the group and train with me, they can go to flowtribe.us. Cool. I'll put those links in the show notes. And for you guys, that's Mike Chang at C-H-A-N-G if you search him on the internet, but he'll come up pretty quickly. Um, Mike, thanks again so much. I've really appreciated it. It's been a great, great chat. 
Listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Chris. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us. And once again, we wanted to remind you about our adventures and trips for entrepreneurs in our private community. If you enjoy luxury trips to the Caribbean, going on bucket list adventures around the world, or just traveling to connect with other established entrepreneurs, then be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to stay connected at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. Thanks for joining the show today, and we'll see you on the next episode.